So this semester we've been looking at God's story and your story and how the story that God is telling throughout all of history changes yours. Um, the last week we, uh, with Ben, we looked at Jesus' temptation in the wilderness by the devil. And uh, in this, this week we'll be looking at uh, a passage from Romans 3, um, talking about how uh, one way that we're really broken and how God answers that brokenness. Um, so we're going to read uh, from Romans 3. If you would stand with me uh, out of respect for the word of God. This is Romans three nineteen through 27a. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped, and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now... The righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his, his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. Would you pray with me? Lord, um, so very thankful to be here tonight. Uh, so thankful we can gather and we can look at your scriptures, Lord, uh, and we can study um, your word to us, and we can open it up and hear the good news. Um, Lord, I pray that you would be with me, that uh, you would help me to speak clearly and to uh, help share your word clearly, um, that Jesus would be made much of, um, and that we would be humbled before you, and Lord, I pray for um, all of us in this room, Lord, that, uh, that you would soften our hearts, um, that we would be willing, uh, willing to look at ourselves honestly um, and also willing to look at you honestly. I pray that you would help us to do that. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Y'all can be seated. So I don't... Uh, I don't know how many of you watch a television show called 30 Rock. Um, it's one I've been enjoying lately. Uh, but it's a show about the makers of a television show. Uh, so it's, this TV show is based on a TV show. It's behind, kind of behind the set. You see the, the writers writing these skits and uh, the managers and the producers and actors. And, uh, the, but the main character, her name is Liz Lemon. And uh, she's the head writer for the show. Almost every episode centers around Liz and her collisions with fellow co-workers. Um, she's always clashing with someone on the show, whether it's uh, her good friend Jenna, who's a diva and an actress, uh, and is 
always trying to prove she's somehow crazier than everyone. Uh, or her boss, Jack, who's trying to be the ultimate businessman. Somehow she's always butting heads with people. Um, and there's always, uh, <laughs> there always comes a time when someone is criticizing her or says she's wrong or says, like, why are you doing it this way? Um, and she always fights back. That's what the show is about, is about Liz fighting for her right to be right. She says, no, I have it together. I know what I'm doing. Um, I'm okay. Um, she's struggling to just to prove to everyone that she doesn't need help, uh, that she's not, <laughs> she doesn't make mistakes. She knows what she's doing. Um, but almost every, almost every episode, there comes a time when kind of <laughs> her fantasy that she has it all together and reality kind of come crashing together and she has this time realizing like, I don't know what I'm doing. Whether it's criticism about her personal life or how she runs the show or how she relates to actors, she realizes, wow, I don't know how to do this. I need help. Uh, I need forgiveness. Um, she doesn't know how to run either the show or her personal life. Um, if this sounds familiar to any of you, it's because you're human. <laughs> uh, we're quick to argue, we're quick to fight um, for ourselves, to defend ourselves, whether it's with our roommates, with our parents, teachers. Uh, we want to be right. Um, and I think that's something we can all connect with um, we don't like when our rightness is threatened. Um, like Liz Lemon, we try to, to run away or to fight for it or escape that wrong, being wrong, or even deny any possibility that that could exist. Um, we're kind of scared of being wrong. Um, but what does that have to do with tonight's passage? Well, I think uh, Paul says a lot about... Uh, us being wrong and why we're scared of that. Why are we scared um, to be found out, to not have it all together, uh, to not be okay? Uh, so we're going to look uh, through this passage at how we try to justify ourselves. Uh, and we're going to talk about what that word means. Um, how we try to make ourselves right. And what is God's response to that? Um, and, how, and what do we do yeah, with God's answer? Um, so let's look back at the passage. Um, if you look at the, the start of it, verses 19 and 20, um, what they're saying is we can't justify ourselves before God by works of the law. To justify means to, to give a reason for something, uh, to give a good reason for something, or to prove that it's right and it's good and it's acceptable. Um, an example of justifying something would be, well, I did homework all day, so tonight I'm just going to watch a movie and relax. Like, I'm going to do this action because here's the justification for it. I've earned it. Um, but when we justify things, when we justify uh, our actions or our thoughts, uh, they're not always good or true. Uh, sometimes we, we try to hide our mistakes or our guilt um, by justifying it. An example would be you get pulled over for speeding. Officer, 
I was just going as fast as everyone else. Uh, <laughs> makes us uncomfortable that we got caught speeding, but, but look, I'm not really that bad. Everyone else was doing it too. I wasn't doing anything worse than everyone else on the road, um, as if I wasn't actually breaking the law. <laughs> or teacher, I skipped class because I had too much other homework due, and I had to go do that. Or I was late because, and you can fill in the blank, we always have some reason, whether it's good or bad, uh, we, we have some reason to deflect the blame, not just, I'm sorry I skipped class, but I skipped class because um, we try to defend ourselves. We don't want to be wrong. Or, and maybe this uh, is a little more serious or hits a little closer to home, we compare ourselves to others to prove that we aren't really that bad. Um, At least I don't drink as much as him. Or I don't get drunk that often. It's not like not like my roommate who goes out three or four nights a week. Um, or I'm just making out with these girls. I'm not actually having sex with them. It's not that bad. We don't like people seeing our true intentions or seeing our failures. Uh, we try to defend ourselves. We try to escape from that judgment of something we're doing is not quite right. Um, The reason we do this is something we love is being threatened, and that thing is our righteousness. Uh, Paul talks about it, and we're going to talk about it. When we are accused of being wrong or not being good or not being honest, um, our righteousness is in danger, and we fly to defend it. Uh, What is righteousness? We're going to define this really quick. It's a fancy word we don't use very much. It means rightness, uh, or to be true, to be right, to be pure, upright, trustworthy. Um, This is a strange concept to us, this idea of righteousness, this whole being of truth and purity. Uh, And I think one reason is it's either confusing or just strange is that we've never seen righteousness. We've never seen a righteous person. Um, maybe you look up to your parents as great people. My dad is the, you know, maybe, maybe you say, my dad is the best man I know. Nothing, he can do no, no wrong. But even then, he is not righteous. Like, there are things you don't know or things that you're blind to that he's not perfectly good at. Um, We don't even have any idea of what true righteousness looks like. Um, So to get at at what Paul's trying to tell us, we need to understand at least uh, a hint of what this word means. Um, Another way to think about it is to be righteous is to be without fault, to have nothing to hide, to be honestly good and true. Um, I, (laughs) I wrestle with this fear of not being righteous. Uh, I've never been good, I've never had a good relationship with writing essays. Uh, Writing a paper forces me to put my thoughts down where people can see them and then to hand them to a teacher to be judged. She'll mark it up with a red pen, she'll point out all the mistakes I made, 
wrong assumptions I made, the research I did wrong, and a bunch of places I was just silly. Um, I can't bear the thought of being wrong. I can't bear it. As I got into college, this terrified me more and more. Editing was terrifying. I couldn't review my own work because I would find mistakes. And that, I had that fear that if I, if I write a paper and I go back and read it, I'm going to see places where I didn't match up, where I didn't write a good paper. Um, so from my very first semester in college, for me, paper writing looked like this. I would you know, have my topic either assigned by a teacher or I'd choose it. I'd do a little research, you know, maybe find some sources if I need them. And I would sit down the night before it was due, <laughs> and I would type, stream of consciousness, what I knew about the paper. Like, well, this is what it's supposed to be about. I'm going to write. And I would hit the bottom of the last page of the minimum page count. I'd go, I think that's good. Spell check, print. <laughs> I couldn't read it. It just, I didn't, it's not that I didn't want to. I could not bring myself to look at something I had created and see mistakes. Um, and I would get papers back from teachers and I wouldn't read their remarks because this paper had this verdict that, Stuart, you're not righteous. You're not all put together. You're not okay. You make wrong decisions. You make mistakes. You don't understand things the right way. Um, that's, that's scary to face that. Um, seeing our unrighteousness, like getting a paper back with all of those red marks on it and the circles every time you missed a comma or you put an extra comma, um, it turns us into terrified creatures who are struggling to protect ourselves. Why is this? We don't actually have any defense against our unrighteousness. We can't see the extent of it. We don't really understand it. We just, we have this feeling that I'm not, I don't match up. I'm not good enough. Um, and we don't even see the extent of this unrighteousness uh, it stretches far beyond just not wanting to do poorly on papers or not wanting to, you know, not wanting to get that speeding ticket, but it spreads through all of life. We're unrighteous in the way, uh, in the way we spend our time with boyfriends and girlfriends. We're unrighteous in the way that we love our parents or don't love them. Uh, the ways that we treat our roommate. Oh, I'm going to leave that out. He'll clean it up. Um, unrighteous in the way... We do our jobs. Uh, we're not honest and forthright and upright. Um, and we're honest in the way we're honest. We're unrighteous in the way we approach God. We're not honest and true. Um, the Bible calls this sin. Uh, and this is why this unrighteousness that we don't quite understand, but we know is lurking there. That's why Paul says in, uh, I think it's in 19, verse 19, that the law says what it says in order that every mouth may be stopped. If we say we are righteous, like I've got it together or I'm not that bad, the law, which 
at the time Paul was writing this letter was the whole Bible. That's what they, they called it. Um, it says, no, stop right there. Stop, Stuart. Don't even try. Don't try to play lawyer and try to convince me that even that you're not that bad, like you're a pretty good guy. <laughs> um, we tell our friends that. We tell our family that. Uh, we tell our pastors that. But Paul says the law, God's law, says stop. Just stop talking. We can't argue ourselves into righteousness. Uh, we can't just kind of put up a facade of being a good person to follow God's law. Because as Paul says in, the, in verse 20, because through the law comes knowledge of sin. By trying to be righteous, the thing we end up with is realizing how unrighteous we are. It's heavy. It's hard to see that in ourselves. It's hard for me to see that in myself as I, as I read this passage and uh, studied it and thought about it, wrote about it and talked about it with people. It's hard to realize that there is this heavy unrighteousness um, that I can't fix on my own. So we have to ask, because Paul does, how does God respond to this unrighteousness, to our sin against him? Can God actually deal with this unrighteousness? Uh, Let's look at verses 21 and 22. We see in these verses the righteousness of God has been manifested So God is righteous. God is true and pure and holy and right and just. He's completely right. Uh, And this righteousness has been manifested. That means it's, it's come here into our lives. It's come to earth and it's taken a form. It's present with us. This vague concept of righteousness has actually appeared in real life. That's what Paul is telling us. Paul says that this righteousness is the righteousness of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Righteousness has become real, but not as like an abstract idea, but in Jesus, the Son of God. Righteousness has appeared on earth in the form of a man. Uh, you can think about this in about two months come Christmas time. You're hearing these these nice, either at church or somewhere, you're hearing Christmas carols, you know, um, the first Noel, or you're hearing, you know, uh, come thou long expected Jesus. It's not like, oh, this nice, like, this baby's born, and there's some shepherds, and like this big star. No, this is the righteousness of God being manifested on earth, coming to broken, unrighteous humans. But why is this special? Why is Jesus any different than us? He's a man. Because he is righteous. He's the only one. He obeyed God perfectly. He lived an obedient, good, righteous, holy life. And then he died on the cross. He bore the punishment for our sins in his death. And his obedience, his righteousness... He offers to sinners his obedient record 
he offers to sinners. Paul says that Christ was put forth as a propitiation by his blood. This is a very, uh, this is a fancy word, but don't let that uh, confuse you. Basically, Paul's saying that Christ was set forth as a sacrifice. Jesus was sacrificed on the cross to reconcile us to God. He died to make sinners favorable to God. So the question, can God make sinners clean? Can he? Is he able to deal with this unrighteousness? The answer is, in Jesus, the righteous sufferer, we get a resounding yes. God can deal with this righteousness. Um, But if he can, it kind of begs the question, will he? Sure, God's, yeah, God sent his son, uh, but will, is he really going to is he really going to seek out sinners? Will he really try to save them? Will he save them? Will he rescue sinners from their unrighteousness? Would the holy, infinite God who created the universe and all of humanity stoop down and bother with rebellious, lost sinners? Let's go back to the passage. Look back with me at verses 23 and 24. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We all fall short and we all sin. This includes the super religious person who grew up in the church, who reads their Bible every morning, and this includes the person who's never stepped in a church or who hates God or doesn't even believe he exists. We all fall short. We all sin. But God justifies sinners by his grace as a gift. God is offering salvation from this unrighteousness. He's offering his righteousness to sinners as grace, by his grace. Grace is uh, unmerited favor. It's something really, really good that you don't deserve, that I don't deserve. And it's a gift. He's giving it to sinners. By his grace shown in Jesus, God justifies or he makes sinners right. Sinners like you and me. God is the one justifying. He is the one reconciling us to himself. And this is cool. God does not... In justifying sinners, he doesn't give us a system or a 10-step program. But no, he justifies us through a person. He gives his son, literally gives him up to death on the cross to reconcile sinners to himself. So if you ask, can God save? Yes. But will he? Yes. The answer to both of those questions is the person of Jesus. So this is the gospel. This is the good news that we always talk about. That Jesus, the Son of God, came to earth. He came to live and to die in the place of sinners so that they could have his righteousness. They could be 
free of the guilt of their sin, and they could be reconciled to God. That's the good news. That's the gospel that throughout the Bible, God is pointing to. The Old Testament points forward to Jesus. As soon as Adam and Eve sin in the garden, in Genesis 3.15, God is saying, I will send one one day who will crush the head of the serpent, who's going to set things right. In Jeremiah, it talks about Jesus will come, who will uh, come from the line of David, and this will be his name, The Lord is our righteousness, not our own obedience, not uh, a sense that we've obeyed God, but Jesus. So this is good news, but what do we do with it? Can we ignore this gift of grace, or do we long for it? How does this actually connect with our lives? People who, (laughs) me, you, uh, who so often are completely oblivious to what's really going on in our heart. Uh, we don't realize how we, we ignore God. We don't realize how we sin against him and against others. Um, how, does this, how does this really connect? Does it matter? This, this righteousness that Jesus talks about is apart from ourselves. As Paul says in verse 22, that it comes through faith. For all who believe. So this righteousness that comes from outside of us, that we don't have to earn or merit or work up, comes from outside of us. It comes from Jesus through faith in him. So what does it mean that we, to use Paul's language, to receive this gift by faith? What does that mean? What does it mean to have faith in Jesus to believe in him? Well, Paul's not... Paul's not describing this as a work. He's not describing like, all right, here's, here's what you've got to do so you get on this bandwagon. Here's, you know, you've got you to match up to receive this by faith. It's not something that you try at, and when you're finally good enough, you'll eventually get God's grace. So what is faith? I think, let's look back at Scripture, back at Luke 18, which... Tyrell read for us earlier. And I think it gives us a beautiful picture of what it means to have faith in Jesus, that he would forgive our sins and give us his righteousness. Um, I'm going to read this again. He also told this parable. This is Luke 18, sorry, Luke 18, 9 through 14. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So we see the tax collector, he sees his unrighteousness. He recognizes that he's not good 
He's not clean. He doesn't try to argue with God about his righteousness. He doesn't try to say, well, I'm pretty good, God, but if you could just pick up my slack, that'd be great. Or, God, I'm, I'm good. Thank you for not making me like this scum over here. He simply cries out to God for mercy. For mercy. Trusting that God would show him mercy and grace. Trusting that God says that he came for the sick, that the healthy don't need a doctor, but the sick do. Trusting God at his word, who says that he saves sinners. He's the one who justifies them. So here we see what faith looks like. He's a sinner crying out to God for mercy. He doesn't offer anything of his own, not even some elaborate plea for mercy. He just says, doesn't even look up. He says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. He falls on God's good grace alone. His faith isn't capturing salvation. It's not earning righteousness. It simply cries out to Jesus for rescue as the only one who can give that rescue. Uh, One thing, what about God's people before Jesus? So what about people in the Old Testament? They They didn't have like these letters about Jesus dying on the cross for them. Paul says at the end of our passage, Paul says that God passed over sins beforehand. Does that mean that God ignored all of the unrighteousness in the Old Testament? There was a lot of it. It doesn't, and here is why. Back then, just as now, God does not count sinners as righteous on their own account, but by faith in him. All the way back in Genesis 15, Abraham is relating to God by faith. Genesis 15, 6 says, And he believed the Lord, and God counted it to him as righteousness. Then, just like now, God counts sinners as righteous through faith in the Lord. That believing the Lord, believing in Jesus is counted to us as righteousness. So what do we do with this? What can we do with this? We cry out to God for mercy. This, this frees us to own our unrighteousness and our sin and to believe in Jesus' righteousness that he offers to sinners who would but believe in him. Jesus is solid ground for us to stand on if we believe in him both honestly claiming our brokenness and resting in God's grace. Okay, we've covered a lot of ground, but let's recap. Let's see why this matters. As we walk out that door, we go home, we go to class, um, we go to work. The very last uh, verse that we read says, Then what becomes of our boasting, it is excluded. Then, so after this takes place, after we see the righteousness of God come and offered to sinners who believe in Jesus, who look to Jesus and trust in his righteousness on their account and not their own, um, 
then boasting is excluded. Because nothing that none of our righteousness, if we're in Jesus, none of our righteousness comes from ourselves. We can't boast of anything. We can't even boast of our faith. Because that's nothing we've done. We've simply looked to Christ as our Savior from our unrighteousness and from our sin and death. Um, So faith both looks to Jesus and looks away from ourselves. Uh, We can honestly, we can repent and turn away from our sin, but we don't have to worry about earning this, earning this grace that God's shown believers. Um, If you, for those who don't believe in Jesus, this this passage, um, this is a beautiful place to go and wrestle with. Um, Maybe you don't sense any sort of unrighteousness in yourself. Maybe it doesn't seem like you're that bad. Um, I'd like to tell myself that sometimes. Um, but this, is, this passage shows God's compassion on people who don't understand themselves. It shows his compassion on people who don't know where they are. Um, we're all messed up and broken. We're constantly defending ourselves. And that takes a toil on us, or it takes a toll, sorry, on us and those around us. As, as you go out this week, think about when we try to speak for ourselves, when we try to justify ourselves, to speak for our righteousness. Think about the definition of righteousness, God's law. And it says, Stuart, stop it. Stop trying to justify yourself. Stop trying to convince everyone and yourself that you can do it on your own. We need help. Um, We can't fix this. So as you go out this week, think about ways. um, Think about ways that you do that. Wrestle with that. Something worth digging into. God doesn't leave us alone, though. He has sent his son as a sacrifice. This gospel, this good news that he offers in Jesus, is, uh, it is good news. It offers freedom. Through faith in Christ, we're free to be wrong. We're free to fail. <laughs> if you believe in Jesus, and his righteousness covers you, You no longer have to defend yourself because God's righteousness is counted on your behalf. You can be weak. You can be silly. You can be stupid. You can be wrong. Um, And you can turn to Jesus in faith, trusting in his righteousness. Jesus, um, we thank you that you came to earth as the righteousness of God uh, 
to be given as a gift for sinners. We're thankful that you show your grace to people who are not worthy of it, who don't deserve it. Uh, Thankful that you offer righteousness, uh, a good account, rightness, uh, and the forgiveness of sins as a free gift that we would believe in you and exercise that faith. Lord, help us to do that. Help us to believe in you and continually trust in you. Always looking uh, when we get the itch to defend ourselves, to justify ourselves before man and woman, before you, God, help us to give up. Uh, Stop our mouths, Lord. And, Lord, help us to turn to Jesus and to believe in him, for that is life. Lord, we thank you um, and pray that you would be with us this week, that your words would be on our hearts, uh, that we'd be reminded of our need for you uh, and reminded of your gospel. Uh, And pray that you would be with us. And it's in Jesus.